Greetings and welcome to the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Really excited about this one. Um, I got a chance to have a conversation with Evan Rutkowski, a former uh, sports marketing executive at HBO. We got into the ESPN deal that Top Rank did, um, the ins and outs of the boxing and television programming industry. Uh, I've also talked about the PBC, the World Boxing Super Series, a little bit about HBO and UFC. Really hope you enjoy it. I'm very excited to have uh, Evan Rutkowski on the Boxing Esquire podcast, um, uh, expert in sports marketing, former uh, sports marketing in the sports marketing department at HBO. Evan, welcome to the uh, Boxing Esquire podcast. Thank you for having me. Excited to be on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. So where, where are you from? Um, I was uh, raised in Central Virginia, certainly not the boxing hotbed of America, uh, but sort of rural central Virginia. Um, and it definitely got into combat sports because I wrestled in high school and college. Uh, and I actually wrestled at a division three school in college. Uh, and, you know, eventually worked my way to the point where I had an opportunity to work at HBO. I started out in the entertainment industry at what is now the William, um, William Morris Endeavor agency, um, and had an opportunity to transition over and work for HBO and eventually found my way into the, uh, sports marketing department there. And I spent the last like five or six years working exclusively on sports marketing, uh, for HBO. Awesome. Awesome. So where, where are you currently? Where are you working currently? Oh, right now, um, I have taken a new job. I work at Adaptive Studios out in Los Angeles. So, uh, we moved, my family moved back to Los Angeles, actually, after spending some time in New York. Uh, so Adaptive does not do anything sports marketing related. I've, I've basically, I took a job where I'm running the marketing department for the studio. Uh, so it was a big opportunity for me to do that. Um, and it does a lot of sort of complicated stuff. The big thing Adaptive does is Project Greenlight, which is a show on HBO. They have a book department, so I I run uh, the marketing for the book department there, and they have a lot of digital series uh, that I create marketing materials for that some of them actually do touch on sports, so that's kind of fun for me, but uh, the goal of the digital series is to, you know, find a distributor and eventually make it into a TV show or a movie. Interesting. Wow, that's really cool. Well, I, I found you through a uh, podcast that you're doing for the uh, Leave It in the Ring Network, David Duenas. It's called it's called Fistianados. Um, yes, the Fistianados podcast. Yes. Yeah, really interesting take that you have on the uh, boxing industry, most mostly from like a TV exec's point of view. So uh, yeah, tell tell us a little bit about that. So one of the things I wanted to do was stay involved in the sport of boxing. It's a sport I love. And I thought the best way of doing that was would be to just start my own podcast, but do it from a really specific point of view. Uh, and so what I try to do is do sort of a review of what happened. I go every other week, and then I try to do a review of what happened in the previous two weeks, and a, then a deep dive into one specific topic. 
And then I try to do a, a shorter preview of the upcoming weeks. And, and I try to do it where you can measure what network executives are really looking at in terms of TV ratings, in terms of competition, uh, when possible in terms of like fight purses and attendance and, and stuff like that. So you have a better idea of how much money these events are generating. Um, and then the competitive landscape really. So I'm, I'm, not just trying to talk about the action in the ring. In fact, quite honestly, I am not qualified to do that. I think there's a lot of better people out there to do that. So that's really the perspective. And I try to do it in like a 20 to 30 minute time frame, so you can kind of catch it on your commute or your workout or something like that. That's oh, great. It's great. I really loved it. Really loved the podcast. And uh, I definitely want to get into uh, your your area of expertise and talk about what's going on the the state of play and the sport of boxing. It looks like there's, you know, basically three or four major networks televising boxing right now. You've got ESPN. I guess they're in around what ninety million homes or so. Um, about yeah. FS1 yep. is still televising some boxing uh, for for the PBC. They're they're in around what about eighty five million homes. Um, I, I have heard varying numbers for that, but I think it's between 80 and a hundred. That's what I've heard for them. <laughs> yeah. I think that the last <laughs> thing I saw on like, you know, sports TV, uh, you know, ratings, uh, dot com or something, they said it's, you know, it's around, you know, you know, I mean, it fluctuates obviously throughout the year, but I think, uh, it was in or around 85, but it was less than ESPN, mm-hmm. but not as, you know, uh, they're actually catching up to ESPN. It's, it seems like, but, uh, yes, yes. Um, HBO roughly 35 million. Is that about right? Uh, yes, I, I will, uh, due to the NDA I have with HBO, I will, I will agree to that. And, and rather than give a specific number, I will say roughly or reported as, as around 35. Okay. Okay. And, and Showtime roughly <laughs> around 30 mil, right? I thought Showtime was a little bit lower, but again, I think a lot of it depends on what time of the year and whether they've offered free previews, stuff like that, deals. You know, to be perfectly honest, a lot when it comes to HBO and Showtime, a lot of the homes that they're in depends on the deals that they set up with with the individual carriers like the MSOs. So if if they have a great deal with them going, uh, their numbers go up dramatically. Wow. Okay. So it's uh, it's it's. Uh fluctuates quite a bit it sounds like <laughs> yeah yeah uh, cool so let's talk about um let's talk about um the major deal that got landed by the top promoter in the business top rank uh, their their espn deal um from what's been reported um four-year deal 18 fights uh, per year maybe two on abc although they haven't they haven't done that yet several more on the uh over-the-top uh, streaming service starting uh, this year. Um, I've also seen it reported that there might be 50 hours of uh, shoulder programming that they've been promised. You know, with, if, in case people out there don't know what shoulder programming is, the pre- or uh, post-fight programming that kind of leads into the event or uh, comes out of the event. Um, what, what, do yes. you know, what, what do you know about the deal and who's... Uh, Who's, uh, as far as the marketing or, or I guess like selling ads, commercial ads, uh, ring posts, that kind of stuff, uh, what, what, what have you heard about the deal? So well, there's a lot to unpack even in just what you've talked about there. I think, first of all, I think this is the most significant deal in the sport of boxing in, in years. Um, I think 
ESPN really gives top rank a platform where they're treated much more as an actual sport than sort of an interaction on a fight by fight basis, which really HBO and Showtime treat fights as not necessarily a long-term relationship, even though obviously HBO had a, a really successful long-term relationship with top rank for many years, but it's more treated on a fight by fight basis, basically. And that makes a big difference. I think in terms of how you think about the structure of a deal. Um, so from top ranks perspective, that's a huge advantage. And you can, you know, you can kind of tell, I mean, just looking at the example of how ESPN marketed the fight on sort of what I would, the industry term would be their on-air platform. So let's take a look at Lomachenko Rigando. ESPN did a great number. In fact, they even did a better number for that than Fox did for their most recent UFC on Fox fight. I think it was ESPN did like 1.73 million and Fox was not too much below that. But when you factor in that Fox is in so many more homes, it's a huge deal for ESPN. Um, and if you looked at the how many, week I mean, how many leading homes, up, how many homes is Fox? Go ahead. Sorry, how, I'm sorry. How many homes is Fox in approximately? Well, it's in all of them, basically. Anybody can get uh, Fox. <laughs> so you we're know, talking even, hundreds even you, of millions uh, of homes, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's every home in America has access to Fox. Even if you have Netflix, you can just put up an antenna still and get it. Uh, you know, so you don't have to purchase any kind of uh, cable or or anything like that to get Fox. Gotcha. So their reach like um, just dwarfs ESPN and certainly HBO. Yes. yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and if you look, so I think there's, there's a lot of different perspectives here. So from top rank, from top rank's perspective, when you look at what ESPN did for that Lomachenko Rigando fight, they created a lot of short form content that ran on a lot of ESPN shoulder programming, um, I don't really consider Sports Center to be shoulder programming, right. but it, there was pre, you know, little snippets uh, all over Sports Center, and then in a lot of the, you know, the first takes in that whole world of Talking Heads, they they talked about the fight a lot. That stuff really matters, and you could tell that the number, you know, you felt the presence on it all week. Uh, one of the things I always point to is ESPN ran an ad on Monday night football that week. Um, and it wasn't the way ad inventory sells when you do marketing is ESPN will sell ads to corporate partners basically. Uh, and then when they come back from break, they'll do what's called an on-air ad and they'll preview an upcoming program, you know, for that week or in the next couple of days or something like that. And, you know, I, that is like a six figure, ad buy what they did for for that fight basically if i were to try to purchase an ad for an hbo fight in the same thing in, you know in that time frame and espn gave it to them for free they you know that's their biggest programming monday night football right right and yeah. that's probably reaching an audience of like 12 to 15 million people uh depending on the game wow wow yeah, I mean that's that. I mean, yeah, football obviously is 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 probably you know as far as sports programming, that's that's kind of the granddaddy. They, I mean, they they have the biggest deal, they draw the biggest audience. So, you know, any any tie that boxing can get to that would would be pretty insane. But um, I was 
you know, it's funny because I was talking to, to some people in the business and, and they were saying that um, just as far as that, as the deal goes, I mean, what have you heard? Are, are they getting like with the UFC? I know the UFC, you know, did like a straight up deal where they get um, a license fee of, you know, what is it? Basically on average is about $120 million a year from Fox. Um, yes. With, with Top Rank... Um, I, you know, no one's kind of put a, a real number on it. And, and I heard from someone in the business that they don't have like a specific number like that. It's more like they've got the time and they don't have to pay for it. <laughs> and they get maybe a license fee per fight. Is, uh, what is your understanding of, of like the, the nuts and bolts of uh, uh, Top Rank's deal? Well, so I think there's, I don't, I haven't seen the deal, obviously, uh, but you have to think that what's so they're definitely getting a yearly licensee of some kind. But I think there's also a library sharing element of it that the top rank is giving up. And what's really important, I think. So if you are the okay, when you say, say a li- just me, just to clarify for people out there, when you say a sure. library sharing fee or, or, or element to it. Basically top rank has, um, they have the rights to all of their, uh, fights that they've done in the past. And they're basically that whole library of films of fights that they've done. They are basically, that's part of the deal with ESPN there. They are allowing ESPN to, to, to use that library. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for sure how, what the terms of the deal are again, but after seeing just some of the fights that have appeared uh, on ESPN and on ESPN2, you know, I, I guess the examples of this is you'll see some fights from the past that will come up uh, usually around when one of the bigger top-ranked fights is happening. And it could be something from two years ago, but it could also be something from 30 years ago. top rank has been around for a long time. Uh, in case anyone is wondering, I believe Greg Bishop did a great SI article on this, maybe two or three years ago, something like that, where he talked about Top Rank's library. And, and he sort of, I'm going off memory here, but I think he he put the value at like well over $100 million of what the library is worth. Mm. Uh, it's certainly, it's easy programming for ESPN because they can just slap up an old fight, sell ad time on it, and it's, you know, not only does it for Top Rank, it's beneficial because it sort of sets a, a, a stage for upcoming boxing. Maybe they're showing a fighter, a previous fight for a fighter that might be fighting in the next couple of weeks, something like that. Or maybe they show, they're showing a classic fight that's in Top Rank's library. But, you know, for them, it kind of engages the audience a little bit. And for ESPN, it's just sort of free money, basically. Right, 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 right. Um, so I think there's that component to it. But I think the bigger picture is sort of in my podcast, I kind of compare viewership numbers for the UFC and for boxing simply because most network executives are going to look at them as, as really similar content fight sports, obviously. Um, if I'm putting my ESPN programmer hat on, they're really faced with this with a major decision because the UFC, their contract with Fox is up and they started out, I think, where you pegged it around $100 million a year. Right now, I think they're closer to 200 
what I've heard in the negotiations that Fox has had with the UFC is Fox is offering a starting point of about $250 million a year, and the UFC is asking more in the $450 million range. Right, right. So if you are a network executive at ESPN, um, having access to the UFC does great numbers for a lot of your ancillary-type programming, like having Conor McGregor or Ronda Rousey. Obviously, she's not fighting in the UFC anymore, but having stars like that on SportsCenter really increases the ratings. It helps your video content on your website. You can sell ads against that. It's a, it, they're big revenue drivers for sure. So ESPN is really going to be interested in that. But when you look any way you slice it in terms of how ESPN is paying top rank, they're paying them a fraction of that price. So you got to figure if you can do similar numbers with boxing on a fraction of the overall you know, payment that the UFC is demanding, it's really a no-brainer to go with top rank. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, that's that's something I also wanted to get into at a certain point. It's like, did, did top rank uh, sell out too cheap and... Or and or is is there room for another promoter to come in um, for uh, at ESPN? So that because uh, to my mind, there's not one entity in the business, and and the PBC has a lot more fighters than than Top Rank does. But for a four year deal, you're going to have to provide a lot of content and uh, a lot of top level boxing. And you know, Top Rank has had these exclusive deals before, and and ultimately you know, the, the, the quality of the fight starts to suffer and so on just because they just don't have enough fighters. Um, so, you know, yeah. I'm thinking so, maybe well, you bring someone else in. Or <laughs> well, here, here's, I think here's how, I think ESPN is the perfect platform for them for, for a lot of reasons. You know, obviously, um, if sort of in some of the ways I was talking about earlier where ESPN is really putting the full muscle of, the network behind uh, boxing in the appropriate moments. Um, it It's tough at other places. So what, what you find, and, and this is something we deal with it, or I dealt with at HBO, Saturday night is sort of a dumping ground in the traditional TV like, sort of world. Uh, nothing gets great ratings. And you would initially think to yourself, oh, well, then maybe you should be interested in boxing. And, you know, the answer is it's it's just not a week-in, week-out thing where you can draw great ratings. Um, obviously, ESPN in the fall depends heavily on college football. They get great ratings from that, and they make a lot of money from that. Right. So, you know, it's a limited landscape, but to be able to draw a solid rating during the other times of the year where they don't have some of those uh, NBA or college football-type Saturday night games – that's a huge win for, for ESPN. And then they can put all of that other programming behind it. And the way ESPN makes a lot of money is what you described earlier with the shoulder programming. So, you know, with ESPN's football deal, for instance, they may not make a whole lot of money on their Monday night football deal, but to have access to all the highlights and then create all this programming NFL live and having a lot of sports center content with NFL content uh, they can make a ton of money on that because that program is really cheap to make. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I, yeah, I think um, in terms of did top rank uh, sell out too cheap, I don't think they did. I think the challenge with boxing has always been 
most executives view it as a sport with a much older fan base that is narrow, um, you know, partly because it's only been on Showtime and HBO for the last 30 years. And I think what Top Rank did really well is they showed the executives at ESPN that for let's let's if you're profiling audiences for a sort of suburban white household, boxing probably doesn't do that well. But it really over-indexes in Hispanic, um, in African-American homes, and it really over-indexes in, I would sort of deem it like first generation, you know, you, you clearly see it now with a lot of Eastern European and Southeast Asian fighters. Those are the homes as well that really over-index well in the sport of boxing. And ESPN was looking to add a diverse audience. So that, you know, they've really made a commitment to that. And that's a, that's a perfect marriage. And I think, especially in those other audiences, the age actually is much younger for boxing than it is for, uh, you know, a lot of other sports. So that's a win for boxing. It's a win for top rank. Right. And I guess, you know, credit to the PBC, right? Because they, they came to uh, ESPN with the time by and they put on, uh, it's interesting. I don't know if you read the, uh, Sports Business Journal article um, that did a really deep dive in, into uh, the top rank deal, and they spoke to um, Burke Magnus, who I guess was the exec at ESPN who kind of put it together. Um, mm-hmm. And he was saying that uh, you know, it, the, you know, they made the, the the false assumption that the demographics of boxing were old. Um, and in PBC's first year, when they put like you know the top names together and had you know really good fights. They were doing audiences of more than a million, but then year two, PBC kind of stopped um, putting on these big shows, and you know the fights, the quality of the fights went down, and the ratings got cut in half. So um, basically, the PBC taught them that you know, like other sports, it's about quality, right? I mean, you, you put good fights on and good names, and people are going to watch. Um, Absolutely, absolutely. But, but the, you know, and, and and the one thing that that surprised them were the demographics. Was that you know the the eighteen to thirty four and the eighteen to forty nine. You know, boxing did very well, and the data that Top Rank is putting out, they're saying they're beating the UFC in those demographics. Um, is that what you're well, saying are, as well? They really are. They really are. Um, I think there's two significant factors that have come up recently that you can cite one there was an article about nine months ago in the sports business journal that went through the average age um and some demographics for all the major sports and one of the interesting things that uh most people hopefully in the boxing industry noticed is that in 2006 the average age of the ufc consumer was like 34 years old which is incredibly young i think like right now um they 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 did a survey and they posted the surveys from 2006 and they posted this, the survey results from 2016 and the UFC's age went from like 34 up to 49 and boxing basically stayed steady it's at 49 um, and you know the NFL is at 51 I mean boxing is actually younger than the NFL it's younger than a lot of other sports I think soccer and basketball were really the ones that were best positioned for the future mm. but. Boxing looks really good in terms of demographics when when you read that article. 
Yeah, absolutely. I know, I know that uh, when Steven Espinoza just did that recent uh, upfront with uh, w- with the the Showtime lineup for um, the upcoming spring, that that was that was one of the graphics. <laughs> was that you know the change in time from 2006 to 2016? You know the the UFC's demographic has gotten older, and now it's the same as as boxing's demographic. So um, I thought that was really yeah. interesting, but. Yeah, speaking of other sports, it seems, again, with, with this TV deal, I mean, it seems like top rank, um, you know, you look at the NHL and, and the deal that they have from NBC, um, I think the NBC is paying them roughly $200 million a year um, for, for 15 games or so, and I think last year they averaged like 1.2 million U.S. viewers. Um, which top rank is beating on average, I think, at least from top rank's numbers. They say they're averaging about 1.5 across their, uh, their broadcasts. Um, I believe the MLS is, is, uh, there, they have like deals on three different networks, um, for a combined about 90 million. Um, and they're only doing, I think about, you know, 230 to 270,000 across those, those, uh, networks per broadcast. So I would say, you know, boxing and, and, and top rank and even the PBC, when they were putting on good fights, made a pretty strong statement <laughs> about the viability of boxing as television programming. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the other number that I think you can really point to is the lomachenko Rigano fight came on ESPN right after the Heisman Trophy presentation. Right. And the numbers in the 18 to 49 demographic actually went up, right. which you would really not expect at all. Uh, I know it's not an actual college football game, but it's still the Heisman Trophy. Um, you know, it's a big deal. And so when the, I think ESPN thought that it would give the lomachenko Rigano fight a great lead-in, and what they saw is it actually... Yeah, it might have been a good lead-in, but the audience built, which they probably weren't expecting. So I think that's another significant factor. I think with the top-ranked deal overall, we're still gaining data on it. There's still quite a ways to go. And to your earlier point, I think it, it, the quality of the fights really do matter. You know, top rank has a, a really strong stable overall, but whether you call the PBC an actual promoter or not, um, the PBC does have more depth, certainly in some of the bigger weight classes as well. So, uh, you know, again, we're we're still getting data on what top ranks doing. Yeah, that, that that's what really interests me. I mean, again, the 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 Sports Business Journal article just kind of brought up a point where they were kind of counting, um, you know, which promoters like they looked at Dan Raphael's ratings and and his ESPN, uh, you know, world ratings, and uh, and you know, broken down by division. And I basically counted it up, and you looked and you saw PBC has like over 40 fighters who are rated in the top 10, you know, across all the divisions. I think Top Rank has about, you know, 17 or so. Golden Boy has maybe, uh, you know, a little fewer than that. And Matchroom, Eddie Hearn's um, company, has a little fewer than that. But you combine Top Rank, Golden Boy, and Matchroom, and it still doesn't equal what PBC has. So to me, I don't know, it's just such a blown opportunity for, I mean, and a lot of money got blown with, with the PBC as well. Um, but, but to me, it, it's still salvageable. I mean, uh, 
I'm surprised that they that they that they're not that they haven't gotten a TV deal and flipped the model. I guess our our network execs kind of scared off by the fact that um, you know their their product was just so inconsistent. Well, I think that's part of it. I, I think you get scared by a number of factors with the PBC and 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 the PBC overall. I still think is a really strong entity. I agree with you on that. And but they really missed an opportunity. I think they went too big out of the gate. They probably went to too many different networks overall. Right. Um, and the time by it's also the nature of a time by is for, if you're a network executive at, you know, not a premium cable channel like HBO or Showtime, but let's say you're at NBC or something like that. It's, it's really hard to take time by seriously. And it's really hard to, put any kind of network resources behind promoting some of the talent that's on, you know, any kind of time by, I mean, it, you know, I guess the equivalent would be if you're NBC and you, you want your stars appearing on the today show in the morning, you want them on Jimmy Fallon, you know, you want them all over any opportunity that you can get to promote your network talent. You want to take advantage of it. And you're not going to look at a time by, which is basically the equivalent of like someone selling ad space at late at night for them is just, you know, a freebie, basically, you're not going to put any kind of effort behind promoting that kind of talent. Mm -hmm. So basically they, they gave it away and now no one has any respect for them. That's how it, uh, I mean, it's reputationally, I think think there, you know, there could be an opportunity, you know, it goes back to your point. They have so many of the top fighters, um, I think, you know, the other fear is that they paid their guys too much early on for, for fights that weren't big fights. I think they thought that just putting on some of their bigger names could draw ratings, you know, on the, on its own. And what you really find is you got to put two, two good guys in, in a great matchup. And that's what gets the ratings. Right. Right. You know, people don't care as much about just with the exception of maybe like a once in a generation fighter, People want to see the great matchups. They don't want to just see one guy, you know, steamroll an opponent. Right, right, and 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 like uh, Mr. Magnus said, that's that's kind of like in every other sport, you know. I mean, if you put the Yankees yep. in there against the, you know, no no disrespect to the San Diego Padres, but if you put them in there with the Padres, <laughs> not as much interest as if you put them in with the Red Sox. You know, everyone knows that that's that's a that's a rivalry game. It's a much bigger game. Um, yeah, it, it just seems like the the PBC. Um, you know, I mean, listen, kudos to them for taking the bullets and having the gumption to give it a shot. And and, and like I said, but for the PBC, I, I don't think Top Rank has this deal. I mean, network executives wouldn't have had the the data that they have um, on boxing, um, but for uh, the PBC taking that chance and, and, and going through half a billion dollars. Um, but you're right. There, well, there were you, definitely flaws in that. They overpaid fighters. And I think a little bit of that was <laughs> trying to attract maybe some other fighters from other promoters. Um, I think that was also the, you know, by, by the, the breadth and reach of, of the networks that they used. I think they were trying to, you know, cut off a few of the smaller promoters and maybe pick some of those fighters off and really make a go of, of being the, the UFC of boxing. Um, but obviously it hasn't worked out. But at the same time, you've got top rank. With, with less talent, maybe maybe at the top end, maybe they've got like a couple of the pound-for-pound pound best fighters in the world. But 
beyond that, I mean, you know, PBC's bench just has so much more depth. And seeing the numbers top ranks doing, I can't imagine PBC. I mean, no disrespect to Showtime and kudos to again Steven Espinoza for for being bold and 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 and, and grabbing it and and making uh, Showtime actually. It seems like they've kind of bumped off uh, HBO as like the <laughs> the the premier premium channel for boxing. But um, I mean that that level of roster and you look at what Top Rank's doing. The fact that they're only in three hundred, you know, or, or you know just. The, the few homes that they're in, I'm sorry, uh, 30 million homes, if that, um, just seems a shame, you know? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, credit to the PVC, like you said, because when you look at the sequence of events of, of how you ended up uh, with Top Rank getting this deal, you're probably right. The, it wouldn't have happened without the PVC taking the chance that they did. And, and then, you know, some of the larger networks getting some of that data on, on what kind of numbers these fights actually do. Um I think credit also to Top Rank for knowing what they are as a company. I think Top Rank uh, has not overextended themselves. They're giving their guys a lot of opportunities to fight multiple times. And I think they can really build stars this way. Like when you look at their matchmaking, their matchmaking on the ESPN fights is definitely geared towards building some of their younger prospects into, into big stars. And, you know, the other part of the ESPN deal that no one's really talked about but I think is super significant is I really think they have a chance to completely reimagine the way that pay-per-views are done. Um, I spoke about it a little bit in my first podcast, but the way they can promote a fight is second to none by using their, their platforms to promote a big pay-per-view event. Right, right. Absolutely. I mean, with the, the reach of their website and, and just how many channels they have on cable and, and uh, just how many homes they're in. I, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, well, it's interesting, though, because they, 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 they did kind of... If SportsCenter covers a fight, they, right. you know, the, the pay-per-view buys are going to go up. I can tell you that from experience. Hmm. Wow. You know, it's funny because this actually isn't the first time that, uh, that ESPN dabbled in this. Um, I know Main Events tried this with them uh, many years ago, um, putting putting fighters on the network, and then um, ESPN did a pay per view. I think with um, Kermit Cintron and and Antonio Margarito. And I think Shane Mosley was on the card as well. Um, it didn't go as well, I think, as planned. You know, I think the the pay per view numbers were kind of flat. But I think this is kind of a different deal. I think with Top Rank. Um, you've got like, you know, in Pacquiao and Lomachenko and Crawford, you've got three of the biggest stars in the sport. So, um, yeah, they've definitely got a lot of, uh, a lot of momentum with this, but, um, I was trying to think. So one of the, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we've talked about competition and it's good fights that bring good ratings. Um, to, to my mind, it, it, I'm, again, a, another entity in boxing without a television deal, and it boggles my mind, is the World Boxing Super Series, which has nothing but great fights between <laughs> top fighters. Um, what, I mean, what have you been hearing about why they, why they didn't get a deal? And um, you know, is, is there anything in, inherently in the structure of, of how they're doing this that, uh, that you think uh, kind of cause them to fail to get a deal. Well, first of all, 
it's it's a crime that they don't have a TV deal. It really is. It's when you look at one of the things I like to do is point out odds uh, that you know Las Vegas puts out for each fight. Almost all their fights are three to one, two to one odds. Like they're really close matches, and everything we've seen so far from an HBO, Showtime, and ESPN perspective, the main events are twenty-five to one. Some of the undercards have been fifty to one. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you know what's you know the result before it actually happens. Basically, um, I think they put on super competitive fights, and there's a couple. I do understand the hesitancy in some respects. You're dealing with a weight class where there's not a whole lot of big names in terms, even though there's a lot of talent, most of the fighters are Eastern European. A lot of them are European-based because I think we've seen that Eastern European uh, fighters can succeed in the United States. Right. But not necessarily when they're based over in Europe. I know a lot of them are based in Germany, um, but it's a lot of foreign fighters. And then with a lot of the fights happening in Europe – you get a weird time schedule. You know, really, it's like 2 p.m. on the West Coast, kind of the 5 or 6 p.m. on the East Coast. I think that matters a little bit less, but even on the East Coast, you're still conditioned to watch fights around 9 or 10 o'clock for the, for the you know, undercard fight. So I think that does matter. I, you know, I can tell you from an HBO perspective, and I'm sure Showtime is the same way, you really have to rearrange your entire schedule on a Saturday to accommodate stuff like that. And that is a big deal. I mean, you know, HBO and Showtime don't function like Netflix where everything is on demand. You know, they still have, you know, HBO is a Saturday night movie and it gets a great rating every time. So that's a big factor for sure. Right. But as you know, if I were to pin it on anything, I haven't, no one's ever actually said this to me, but you know, Richard Schaefer has had a reputation of being hard to deal with. Um, he's been very pleasant at times as well, but I think, you know, you have to look at that as one of the reasons, maybe, I don't know. Um, and it's no, nothing against Richard Schaefer personally. I think, you know, a lot of that, he, you know, the, the way he exited Golden Boy was a little bit contentious, but, um, you know, Golden Boy is kind of set up at HBO right now. Um, maybe that's one of the factors with HBO. I don't know for sure. No one obviously has ever said that. Uh, to me, and at Showtime, you know, they kind of have everything set up with Al Haven, and they do do some Richard Schaefer fights, so I'm a little bit more surprised with them, but, you know, I guess they have their their schedule lined up, and they're not interested. I, I don't know what to say. It really boggles my mind. I think the real issue is, I know Dan Raphael reported in the fall that Epics was considering getting into the sport of boxing this was really the opportunity. I, you know, if you're going to get into it, this was it. So I don't know why they didn't do that. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. I, I mean, Epics is obviously a, a, another, uh, network that's dabbed its toe in, in boxing. They've kind of, they, for a little while, they were picking up kind of stray boxing events from, uh, from Europe that, that the networks over here weren't picking up. Um, uh, my understanding was that they kind of just came in a, a little too late, or I don't know if, if they, there was a, a deadline that, that, uh, world boxing super series imposed but somehow it just didn't get done and um yeah i think i think it's interesting also their their backing is is european money and i think they did want to have a fair amount of the fights over in europe um and you're right the 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 time zone thing you know it's just less effective over here when when um the european fights are shown live in the afternoon 
uh, on Saturdays. Um, so that, that's definitely an issue. But to me, I thought it was maybe a little bit of a chicken and an egg. It's like the, the, the fact that Schaefer couldn't get the deal to begin with, um, with US TV to cover it. It kind of forced them to, to go to Europe and go to places where they knew they could make some money on the gate, <laughs> you know, uh, just to try and recoup yeah. some of the money that they, that they put into this tournament. Um, but the, the, the concept itself of taking like, um, you know, a couple of weight divisions and just, you know, getting as many top 10 guys as you can, you know, whether they have a belt or not and, and doing a tournament style to me, that's like ideal for television. I mean, when, when you see sports on television, it's all about, you know, winning the championship and there's a season and then there are playoffs and you get to the championship game. You have your Super Bowl, your World Series. Um, even in sports like golf and tennis, you have the big Grand Slam tournament um, where it's, it's done, you know, tourney style, you know, bracket style. Um, boxing has never had that. And they've never had like a, a regular schedule of fights where you knew, OK, you know, this month. I'm going to see the semis of, of this division and, and so on. Um, I think it's, you know, it's, you know, I would hope to see that this trend continues and that, you know, promoters can work together to make it happen. Uh, and it seems like, you know, promoters are motivated to work together when the money's there. <laughs> and with, uh, with yeah. the World Boxing Super Series, they had some significant backing. And if they had had significant network backing here in the States, it seems like, you know, especially now that people see what a great thing it is, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, if, if they do this again, maybe they can get some of the major promoters involved. Well, you have to hope so. I think for them strategically, you know, they've said they want to do it again because I think they've experienced a lot of success over in Europe. Um, you know, I guess there are a couple comps in, you know, the fight game. Bellator, which is an MMA organization and a competitor to the UFC, was actually sort of conceived this way and for a long time just did tournaments in a specific weight class. Um, there's always problems with that. I mean, people, you know, the natural thing in boxing was sort of to point to the Super Six and how that turned out i think that was set up a little bit differently yeah it was it round robin. Too long. yeah that was round robin. but you know the, yeah and and this they operate having learned the lessons from that which is you know really just go straight into the knockout portion of the tournament and and build the excitement level as you go um i think it's certainly it is the best way you can you can conceive of to crown a real recognized champion to your point and i think it's the best way you can conceive of to build excitement up to a big defining moment uh, in a weight class. I think the next question is what comes after that? What happens after someone has won the title? I know the saying is fights make fights, but um, you know, if you look at sort of Andre Ward's history, he had to essentially move out of the weight class. Um, and, you know, there's not a great, it's sort of after you've beaten everybody to get to the, the title, what do you do after that? So I think those kind of worries may affect whether or not a network buys into it. I mean, it's because you're going to get a great, if, you know, whoever wins today, and I guess the Gassiev-Dortico's fight is going to happen probably uh, really soon as we're, as we're talking here on the Saturday afternoon. But whoever wins that and, and fights Usyk, you know, the next big question is going to be, What's next for the winner of the of the title there at cruiserweight? 
Right, right. You know what? I mean, the way I, you know, my suggestion would be, so you do another tournament, you know, and, and you allow the champion to take like an easy defense, you know, not, not like a top fighter or, you know, or you give the champion a buy, you know, um, and then, and then mm-hmm. you, start, you start the tournament again. You go to maybe an independent set of ratings and, and, and go down the list and see who's, who's up for it. Um, I mean, I, I don't see why it couldn't happen every year like that. I mean, the champion's got to defend his title anyway, right? I mean, he's, he needs big fights. He needs good, you know, if you have a network deal and you've got financial backers and the money's there, stay in the tournament. You know, either that or move up and wait and maybe join another tournament, you know, um, or take a year off. You know, and then come back in the tournament. You know, the the following year, um, I I I just see it. You know, I don't know why. You know, it, it's not rocket science. You know, you could you could do this every year. I mean, I guess the the, pro, the one problem maybe with boxing, there's just so many weight divisions. You'd have to have like either you know two or three different networks commit to it, and you know bid on the weight divisions. Um, or one network really commit to it and have like boxing pretty much every weekend. I mean, I, I don't know which, but, um, well, that's certainly, I mean, it brings up an interesting point because even the way that, um, that boxing is operating now, HBO, Showtime and ESPN, while they operate in three different universes, um, they each kind of have a claim to certain weight classes. And I think you'll start to see this, trend continue where certain fighters you know you've already seen Danny Jacobs go over and sign with HBO because he knows that's where all the significant middleweight fights are for him um, you know HBO kind of owns the, the the entire block at 160 pounds Showtime you could say the same thing at welterweight um, right. ESPN you know does have Terrence Crawford but after the Jeff Horn and, and Manny Pacquiao that sort of threesome figures out you know, who's going to really hold on to that title. And I think the, the expectation among, among most boxing experts is that it'll be Terrence Crawford. Uh, you know, they're going to have to partner with the PBC to make some of the bigger fights. But right, that's, you, know, you, you start to see that already. Right. That's why I was thinking, you know, it, you know, because ESPN, in essence, you know, to my mind, when you compare it to soccer and, and uh, UFC and NHL, I mean, for the ratings they're getting... ESPN got top rank super cheap. So why not add the PBC? You know, now, now you've got like the two best rosters in the sport of boxing and you can mix and match. I mean, I, I know obviously there's, there's a lot of uh, enmity between, those, between Al and, and Bob because of the lawsuit and, and so on. And they're both just very strong personalities. But um, I can't imagine that, uh, that, that, you know, that that's not a great play. I mean, the PBC, yes, they are affiliated with Showtime for now, but, um, you know, if, if, if ESPN made a comparable offer of, I mean, I, I don't know if you could disclose this or if this is something you, you knew uh, at your previous job, but could you estimate what, what Showtime has in their budget for boxing? Um. I could probably give you a good estimate based on what they're paying for fights. I mean, I think most people assume that Showtime would be operating, uh, paying license fees of somewhere between like 30 and $50 million per year. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's their budget between 30 and 50. 
you know, I know that's a wide range, but, you know, I, I obviously didn't work there. I, I knew what HBO's was essentially. Uh, and, uh, you know, I would say that just based on reading articles about it, sort of seeing what the license fees are, seeing how much fighters are getting paid, that would be my sort of educated estimate. And, you know, I think it gets a little dicey with them because they do some fights on CBS, and I don't know how those are specifically funded. Right, right, right. Because they're all under one corporate umbrella, right? CBS and, and Showtime. Yes, yes. And they're able to sell ads against those. So I, I don't know how, how that affects their budget um, because I'm sure the fighters who are doing the CBS fights are getting paid, uh, you know, higher purses. Right, 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 right. So there, I mean, theoretically, yeah. there's room for, I mean, ESPN could spend another 50 and, and get the PBC and still be paying a fraction of what the UFC is asking, right? <laughs> and, and getting better ratings. You know, they could. I think the if you're looking at the challenge with that, so I think it's just really all about real estate. You know, right now, one of the things the UFC does really well for Fox is uh, the UFC, I think, occupies like over 30% of all the programming on Fox Sports 1. Right. Which is an incredible number. Uh, I can't even, like, there's nothing really comparable to that you know, anywhere else in the TV landscape. Um, it does pretty solid numbers, even though, you know, maybe depending on the level of fighters, it, it, you know, for the UFC, it does like, they go almost every week. And a lot of times, you know, the worst they do is 700, 800,000 viewers. And they definitely regularly do over a million viewers on uh, Fox sports one. So that's, that's really good. Um, I don't know that boxing would be able to do that. I think they could do those numbers on ESPN, but I just don't think ESPN has the real estate to give them that many Saturday nights. And once you get out of Saturday night territory, it gets a little dicey as to whether you can draw those kind of numbers. Right. I mean, I guess ESPN does have a number of different networks, but I mean, I guess once you kind of play musical networks, then it confuses the viewer and you're going to lose viewers that way. But I mean, they do have ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News. <laughs> you know, they've got like any yeah, number of yeah. networks they could shuffle it on. Um, but I think, yeah, it, it, I, think, I think what happens is, you know, you want to be on ESPN. Right. And... The, the price of being on ESPN if you're boxing is that you have to work around college football, you have to work around the NBA, and you have to work around any of the, certainly when it gets under shoulder program, you have to work around like the NFL and any of their other significant uh, pieces of programming where they own the right. NASCAR, to. MLS, there's, yeah, there's, there's other. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, especially if you want to be in that Saturday night slot and most fight fans are conditioned to watch boxing on a Saturday night, then that's what you're dealing with. So that's really the issue. I think it gives you a lot of opportunities, uh, certainly in months where some of those programs aren't running, but it also, you know, that's, again, that's the price you pay basically is you, you don't get some of those primetime fall slots where everyone's at home watching television on a Saturday night. Right, right. So ESPN just might not have the bandwidth to to have two major uh, two major boxing uh, entities on there. Yeah, that and and to do what they're doing with Top Rank right now, where they're really getting behind some of the storytelling. You know, you look at this week, uh, 
the fight this weekend uh, is not a major fight, Zerto Ramirez, but it's actually a pretty bad you know, fight. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm being kind when I say that, but um, the Dan Raphael wrote an article on the undercard fighter, and uh, Mark Kriegel wrote an article on Zerto Ramirez. You know, they didn't promote them on the regular ESPN.com page, but I think you're going to see stuff like that even for the non-major uh, fights that happen on ESPN. And that's a that's a great job. The fact that Top Rank can can regularly procure that kind of support is is really a credit to them, and it's a credit to the deal they made. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, during weeks of college football that are major college football games, ESPN is just not going to do that in a major way on any of their Sports Center or other types of programming. True. True, true, true. Yeah, there's only there's only so much room. Um, it's interesting, though. Do you, do you think you know as far as the PBC goes um, and the the World Boxing Super Series of your old employers, HBO? Um, would there is there any chance um, that HBO makes a play for either of those entities? Uh, I didn't get the sense that that would happen, but uh, I know the door is always left open to everybody at HBO. Um, you know, the PBC, I think if they brought the right kind of fights to HBO, HBO would buy them. But right now, when you look at HBO's main partners, it's Golden Boy, obviously, and it's K2, and then it's Eddie Hearn and some of the smaller, you know, like the main events and some of the other smaller promoters uh, that really have a lot of you know, programming on HBO. Uh, and, and that's not even to paint main events as a, as a, you know, they're, they're small. I think a lot of, you know, K2 is tiny as well. It's small number of employees. They, they have a lot of, you know, great, they, they do great programming in terms of the actual fights. Right. And, and they have, you know, big pieces as well. Right. I mean, main events yes. has yes. like, you know, three of the top 10, uh, light heavyweights and um k2 obviously has the top middleweight in the world and kind of the you know i mean that the, the canelo and golovkin are kind of the linchpin of uh of hbo programming right now they're the two biggest stars <laughs> yeah. they have so um you know they're kind of building uh you know signing other middleweights and and so on to try and build around that um but, uh, you know, to me, like, you know, beyond the middleweights and the light heavyweights, and I don't know how long Superfly is going to go. I mean, that's, that's really not that deep of a division. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get any more Superflies beyond uh, the, the next show. It just, to, to my mind, the, the World Boxing Super Series is, is, is definitely uh, um, the play. And, and like you said, maybe there were some issues with Richard. Maybe there were some issues just with the, the field being so European, especially, well, I guess uh, in both divisions. Um, you know, maybe the next go-around, HBO would, would show some more interest. Um, I guess uh, one last thing I want to ask you about, uh, to me, it, it's really intriguing. Um, the heavyweights have had a great resurgence, and obviously the, uh, the big reason behind that is uh, a man from England by the name of Anthony Joshua. Um, he has, like, what, maybe one, one fight left with Showtime, and I don't know how many fights left with Eddie Hearn. 
Um, who do you see maybe ending up with, with Anthony Joshua? And where do you think would be ideally the best place for him to go? It's a great question. Uh, if I am Anthony Joshua, so the best thing you can probably do right now is actually just stay in England. Uh, and I think you make the most money there. And a lot of the other heavyweights that are out there are European-based fighters. It really becomes an issue with Deontay Wilder because that's sort of your entryway, your entry point into the United States market. Um, unfortunately, Deontay Wilder is not a big enough mainstream name to warrant coming over immediately fighting in a pay-per-view. I think if Anthony Joshua did want to make a play to come to the United States and build an audience here to try to get, you know, those Pacquiao Mayweather type numbers eventually, I mean, maybe not 4 million pay-per-view buys, but, you know, to regularly hit the 1 million pay-per-view by like Mark, I think he would have to come over before that and, and start building an audience. If you look at his television numbers on Showtime, they're not massive right now. I know they're in the afternoon, but they really, they're not huge, but I think everybody in the industry certainly regards him uh, as, as the biggest star in the world. I think there was a UK magazine that named him uh, one of the, the most marketable athletes in the world, even bigger than some of the soccer stars that are out there. Mm. That, I mean, um, for, for Europe, that's but, pretty, pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a big deal. Um, so I think, I know that's not really an answer to your question, um, I, th I guess my point is it may not matter right now. If, if I was him and I wanted to come to the United States, you know, it, Showtime you've obviously had a relationship with. They have Deontay Wilder. That's a really interesting piece of the puzzle. I think HBO is the probably has the best track record of building pay-per-view stars. I think obviously Showtime has a track record of putting on big pay-per-view fights with people that are already established, but HBO probably has the bigger reputation in terms of building a star from the ground up. And then there's the wild card with ESPN. You know, they would be, in my opinion, the sleeping giant in terms of making someone a superstar. They could probably do it faster than anybody. So that's what I'm thinking. I, I mean, a, a marriage of, of Joshua and, 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 and ESPN would, I mean, to me, it would really go a long way towards bringing boxing back as a mainstream sport too because you've got this guy who um is good looking and charismatic very humble you know for for as much adulation as he gets um you know really intriguing guy and he's out there knocking people out like mike tyson did and you know if if you put him on espn in you know 90 million homes as opposed to hbo or showtime which is in like a third of that many homes um and you know with with all the shoulder programming and and and, and so on just you know making him a, a mainstream star i mean to me that's the play <laughs> you know that's the play you know you're you're thinking you know you're 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 kind of you know Coordinating him away from the mainstream if he goes on one of the premium cable networks. Yeah, I mean, it, I I have a lot of thoughts on this. I, if if I was in Anthony Joshua's, if I put on my Eddie Hearn hat or my Anthony Joshua manager hat, it would certainly be the number one thing I would explore. I mean, it depends what ESPN is willing to do, 
but I think ESPN has, you know, like I said earlier, one of the the best platform to build a pay-per-view star. And I also think they could reinvent the ways that people buy pay-per-views, especially with, you know, we didn't even really touch on some of the OTT elements of the deal with top rank, but building a platform like that and really gives you a way to skirt around a lot of the high percentages of fees that you pay to the MSOs in terms of pay-per-view deals. And you could probably both charge a lower price for pay-per-views and make more money doing it. It really, to me, it seems like the, you know, the absolute big win, but you have, there's a lot of moving pieces to it and you'd have to get buy-in from a lot of different areas. Right. Um, well, just, ESPN, just... what well, they've shown, well, what they've shown to do it with, that they can do it with top rank. Um, you know, I think we're still in the really early stages of them doing it in this boxing world. I know that years ago they, they did it at a higher level, but in this boxing world, um, you know, that we're in now, we're still in the early stages of it. Right. Well, just, just real quick. I mean, when, when you say OTT, uh, explain that to, to, to the listeners. What is OTT? Sure. OTT is an over-the-top way to deliver content. So picture it as Netflix for sports. There's a couple entities that do it. Fubo TV does it for sports. But it's it, you don't have to have a cable subscription of any kind uh, to do it. And part of the ESPN top rank deal, there's an OTT element where what most industry people feel like the strategy is going to be, even though they haven't fully announced it, is that they're going to buy up rights to niche sports around the world and then offer ESPN an OTT app sort of as a way to entice really younger sort of millennials to, you know, buy ESPN uh, without having a cable subscription, but the product would not have stuff like the NBA or the NFL right now. Uh, Or at least that is what is sort of been reported and been talked about within the industry. Interesting. Interesting. So it would be like its own entity in essence. It would have programming on it that isn't on the, on the, on the air, over the air, um, networks, um, but you're saying also in 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 regards to pay per view, it would you people who are not who, who don't have cable um, could still order the pay per view uh, via this OTT network. You know that's never been reported, but after having worked in the pay per view side of the business for HBO for as long as I have, it's an obvious. Uh, way to you it way to do it excuse me and it's an obvious way to make a lot of money doing it because you don't have to share the the fees with any cable providers uh Which are when you significant, do it that way. right it's almost 50 percent right um yeah it depends for each fight there's a uh a lot of math and a, and a large like sort of a sliding scale based on what you're getting for it but you know if you're espn you don't really need a whole lot of cross-channel promotion. You just really need SportsCenter to promote it. So, you know, a big push on some of the ESPN programs like SportsCenter and then, you know, purchasing it sort of over the top, huge potential win for ESPN. I mean, I think, you know, I know they've talked about doing pay-per-views, but really in the back of their mind after they saw how many pay-per-view buys that, that Mayweather Pacquiao did and then how many pay-per-view buys that Mayweather McGregor did, 
it's impossible not to look at that money and just think of it as like, that's such a windfall. You, you kind of have to get, you know, involved in that if you can. So, you know, that has to be part of the thinking, I think. Right. And that's, it's something that's kind of unique to combat sports, right? I mean, no other major sports do mm-hmm. events on pay-per-view. It's, it's only the combat sports. Um, yeah, pretty much WWE, uh, you know, not really much anymore because they offer an OTT product theirself. Uh, and, you know, then UFC and, uh, and boxing, that's pretty much it. I guess, you know, before, before the, we've kind of gotten onto a really interesting subject right at the end here, but I mean, I know, I know you kind of have to go and, and I don't want to do this for three, you know, three hour podcast, although we could I'll sure. have, to, have to bring you back some other time. But, um, you know, the UFC has tried this and it was, it was a much, you know, ballyhooed, uh, product, the fight pass. Um, how, how has it gone? I've, I've you know, I've heard different things and reviews of it and, and how it's going. What what is your take on on the success or or lack thereof of Fight Pass for UFC? I think for the hardcore UFC uh, fan, Fight Pass is like a godsend. It's amazing. Mm. You know they have they offer Tuesday night fight series and sort of a lower level uh, product, but I think it it allows you to see some prospects coming into the UFC. You know, and for people who love the sport and are, and are happy to watch it on a Tuesday night and, and a Saturday night, you know, that's a fantastic offering. Um, I think fight pass, you know, they're in that place right now where they're neither fish nor foul. Uh, they can't quite decide if fight pass is going to go the way of the WWE, where it is their primary offering, uh, and primary revenue driver. And then they can't decide if it's just to sort of get an extra 10 bucks a month out of hardcore fans. Uh, I think this upcoming TV deal will probably indicate, you know, where it's headed for sure. Because if they do get a huge fee, especially out of someone like Amazon or something like that, like that's not a traditional carrier of sports yet, then Fight Pass might sort of, I don't want to say go into irrelevance. That's not certainly not the case, but it'll be less important. But if they don't get a huge amount of, of money in a deal maybe from Fox or something like that, then Fight Pass might be more important to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you were, I mean, I think when we were exchanging notes beforehand, you know, we had talked about, um, you know, that there had been some talk of, of uh, Zufa boxing, UFC getting into boxing, and there had been talk that, you know, obviously uh, there was some smoke there that the PBC was, was discussing something with, um, UFC, I would assume in reference to them, um, kind of coming together and, 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 you know, getting a deal on Fox where both, both, uh, entities would be showcased. Um, yeah. What, 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 what have you heard about that? What do you think, uh, about the wisdom of the UFC getting into boxing and, and how it would affect them getting a TV deal? And where do you see their, the, the, I mean, I guess this is a very compound question, but uh, okay, just, I guess, <laughs> talk about the PBC and the UFC <laughs> first, and then, and then I'll get to my follow-up question. Sure, sure. So if I was the UFC, I would just focus on my core product right now and not get into boxing. I think Zufa Boxing, again, it started in terms of controlling talent. One of the things the UFC does really well is they have their talent at a really fixed cost. 
Right. Um, there's sort of a, a much larger middle class of fighters, but there's not the gigantic superstars and superstar money payments that there are in boxing. So Zufa boxing to me is a reaction to Conor McGregor making over a hundred million dollars in a boxing fight without <laughs> kind of ever makes you dizzy, right? All that corner. money, you're like, man, we got to get in on this somehow. And I'm sure their parent company was also like, no, we really need to get in on this. We just spent four billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think if if they were able to uh, promote a hundred percent of that fight instead of Showtime. And, you know, splitting with Showtime, I think they would have uh, felt really good about that. And, and to be fair, also, they have reported, despite a lot of uh, crit- criticism from their hardcore fan base this year uh, or in 2017, it was their most profitable year, really, without Ronda or Connor fighting in a major fight on the UFC pay-per-view platform. You know, basically, their result was Connor fought on Showtime pay-per-view did really well for the company and that's a record financial year for them. Right. But in fairness, so they, they, I, I, I mean, they had a an amazing between them getting into boxing and that. <laughs> right. Well, they had an amazing 2016 where I think they had like four or five pay-per-views yes. that went over a million. And then 2017, yep. there was a massive dip where they didn't even have one pay-per-view that went over a million and the TV ratings dipped a little bit as well. I mean, obviously Rhonda was out of the sport pretty much by the, by uh, yeah. 2017, yeah. and you know, and a lot of the stars have either juiced out or or been beaten, and then Connor went on hiatus to to do his boxing thing. Um, so yeah, they they had a down year, but were bailed out by you know one really massive event, um, which is really interesting to see how 2018 goes for for the UFC. But um, but anyway, it was you know I don't uh, don't want to keep you any longer, Evan. I really appreciate you coming on. It was a great conversation. I'd love to have you on again. And uh, you know, thank you so much for uh, being on the Boxing Esquire podcast. Thank you. I, uh, I had a great time doing it. Um, my podcast is is a comes out every other week. It is called the Fifty Nados Podcast. And um, you know, right now, I, I think I told you when we were exchanging notes that I'm I'm just doing a solo act. But if I do ever have guests, I'd love to have you on, um, and I'd love to be back on at some point. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Evan. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. And that will do it for this edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast. I'd really like to thank Evan Rutkowski for coming on and spending time with me. He's got an excellent podcast on the uh, Leave It in the Ring Network called Fistianados. I highly recommend that you check that out. If you like this podcast or any of my previous podcasts, please uh, give us a rating and a comment on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to this podcast. And until next time, so long, everyone. <laughs>